When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler communications. I flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at Flex.Fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Ooh, I am one with the spirits tonight. And the spirits will show me your fantasy football future. Here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku devices, and of course on Fire TV. Stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. We're widely available. Give us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here, like I am every Thursday night, with Mr. Brian Scott, the Injured List Podcast. We have a much shorter list for you tonight, Brian. Don't oh, worry. Thank goodness. <laughs> and, of course, we got Chris Dahauer coming back for his Thursday night spiel, along with, you know, Tuesday nights, he does the Belly Up Fantasy live show. You guys check out 
on Belly Up Fantasy Live, at Belly Up Fantasy Live, on the Belly Up Sports YouTube channel. I believe that's at 8.30 on Tuesdays, right, Chris? That is correct. It's very Yes, it is. Check us so out. You guys, make sure you check that out, too. We got a jam-packed show like we always do, but it's got nothing on the people blowing up the ESPN app right now because they put all of the Saints players on buys and it glitched out in the first quarter. So people were actually like subbing in and out based on like, I saw a bunch of people, they subbed out DeAndre Hopkins because he wasn't doing anything in the first quarter. Then he went on like a five catch run. I saw some people took the Arizona Cardinals defense out at the Amy Dalton bomb and they just got two pick sixes returned to touchdown. So that's what you get for trying to cheat, by the way. But uh, yeah, ESPN, what 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 are you what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Get oh your gosh. act together here. Um, but that was that was something that was really funny that I saw right before we went on the air. So let's dive into it because we do have a lot to talk about, and we got Brian Scott, and I don't want to waste his incredibly precious time either. Uh, but here's the problem: when I don't have my intern, I can't find the drop, and I can't move along. Injury inquiries. There it is. It was hiding. Okay, first up, we got Rashad Bateman looking like he should return from a foot sprain, but still only getting limited practices in. Brian, if he practices in limited fashion again tomorrow, are you still okay with the idea that he might be active come Sunday? Uh, less likely that we see him suit up Sunday if he gets only if he can only get through a limited practice tomorrow. The, the problem with foot sprains are there is a myriad of different types of sprains. Um, good news is he at any at no point was he in a boot, um, so that's really key to me. That tells me it was probably pretty mild, and they're probably being more cautious than anything. Uh, the fact that he actually returned to practice though is encouraging. I, I do expect him to suit up. Um, I do expect him to get a little bit more work tomorrow. He may still be limited, but I think it's going to be a true game time decision about if he does play, how much he's going to contribute. Yeah, something interesting to watch out. Lamar needs him back. That much has been clear over the past couple of weeks. Here's somebody I don't think it's going to play for them, though. J.K. Dobbins, knee tightening on Sunday. Hasn't practiced since as a result. Brian, what what do you think this is going to mean for him? Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, uh, I I think I may have kind of brushed on this a little bit earlier uh, in the season when we talked about J.K. Dobbins. You know, I I think this is going to kind of be the way it's going to go for the rest of the season for him. Uh, he's going to have some issues with swelling and stiffness in the knee. It's it's kind of par for the course coming off the injury that he had and the fact that he was struggling a little bit when he was originally projected to return. And if you, noti- uh, if you remember, we did discuss some of the clips, uh, video clips of him practicing during preseason and how he didn't look quite comfortable or back up to speed yet. Yeah, he got through a couple of weeks here, played pretty well, but never quite looked like the J.K. Dobbins of old as of yet. Uh, I think this is just another little bump in the road. I think he will end up playing again, but uh, you know he's going to have weeks like this where his knee is going to be swollen, he's going to be stiff, he's going to be sore. The question is going to be how they manage it going forward. Um, it, it's probably going to be weeks where he doesn't practice at all, but yet he might still suit up. Um, and this is going to be one of those things that you really have to kind of monitor close and and follow along with the team uh, and look at the game day uh, injury reports and and things like that. So pay really close attention to his status each weekend going forward. Well, we'll just stay with the same team in the same backfield. Gus Edwards, it was unclear what the comments are being made by <clears throat> Roman today, other than he's like, I'm excited to get Gus Edwards back, but they weren't really specifying if they think that's this week or not. Uh, what do you think? Well, they got to make a decision soon. 
because he got uh, he's off the IR, and once you come off IR, you have 21 days to then activate him on the roster. And if you don't, then he's got to go back to IR. Now, every time he goes back to IR, that counts against the tra- transactions back to IR. And this year, the teams are limited to eight transactions, so uh, or eight designations to IR. And that's it. Doesn't matter if it's the same player going back and forth each time he goes back to IR. It's a designation. So, depending on how many times they've used IR on players already that could kind of hamstring them with what they do with him. So they're either going to have to activate him or he goes back to IR for another four weeks. They've only got like one week left. So the fact that they're saying that he's not going to be ready for another week means they're going to have to make a decision really soon here. What about, so we, we finally get off the Ravens for a change. What about the Raiders? So Darren Waller, they had the bye week, comes back, still not practicing though. Any Any indication as far as how severe that hamstring really is? Uh, it sounds like it's at least a moderate strain. It, he wasn't very um, uh, encouraged by the, uh, uh, himself uh, when was speaking with reporters and was actually quoted as saying he's likely going to be out uh, this week uh, against the Texans. So I, I don't anticipate him suiting up uh, now that we're here at Thursday. He still has some practice. So Keenan Allen, we start off the week, Brand Staley, pretty confident he's going to play. And yet he's practiced only in a limited capacity the past two weeks. He makes a comment saying that, you know what, if they keep me out till after the bye, I'd be okay with that. Uh, what do you what do you take from all that? Is this just player speak? He's trying to throw him off the scent, or you think there's a real serious situation that might happen? No, I think this is I think this is real. I think that they are uh seriously looking at holding him out until after the bye, week eight. Uh my my guess is that he's still not feeling a hundred percent. There could be a little bit of a psychological block here too, uh, you know, with hamstrings, especially at a skilled position player like Keenan Allen, who has to rely on his speed and, and power to get down the field and run routes. Um, hamstrings can, can get aggravated uh, very easily as we've already seen with him. He's had that happen once. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of uh, hesitation on his part and maybe just looking more toward the future with the team and, and getting through the rest of the season unscathed. So uh, it's been serious discussions about holding him out, uh, pa- after t- until after the bye week eight. And so um, I, I see that as possibly happening. I mean, we saw uh, the Lions do that with DeAndre Swift. So would not surprise me with Keenan Allen, given that as much time as he's missed. I thought we were going to blow by this this next player, but now there's actually something to talk about. So most of the time now, I'm just treating concussions. Like, do you get a concussion on Sunday? I'm just going to assume you're not playing the following week. However, in Kenny Pickett's case... He winds up practicing in full the following Wednesday. And really, for me, I think it all indications should be he's on his way to playing. But we saw this Chris Olave got full participation in practice last week, and he didn't want to play on Sunday. Do you think Kenny Pickett will play? So the fact that he actually was a full participant in practice today is, uh, I mean, he's already cleared concussion protocol. So uh, if he can get through a full practice and not have symptoms, and we see him back out there tomorrow, uh, chances are, Pretty good. We're going to see him on uh, Sunday. All right. So, yep. Kenny Pickett, fire him up. Shocking to me. Uh, speaking of concussions, Tua looks like he's coming back. Yes. Some people seem to be kind of concerned. Are you? I mean, listen, uh, he's seen multiple specialists. He's been cleared by multiple specialists. It's already been now over two weeks since his, uh, or maybe even closer to three. Um, you know, you got to trust uh, the professionals and their opinions in this situation. Uh, I, I don't think they were jeopardized during the rest of his career, putting him out there now, given all the stuff that's happened and all the, you know, the high profile nature of this. Um, so I expect that he's ready to go and they've taken every precaution and we should see 
the old Tua back out there, hopefully, um, without any lingering issues. Last two players I have on the list with the Patriots on the Monday night game. Mac Jones trying to push the play, really wants to play this week, probably feeling the zappy heat, I guess you would say. And then, of course, we got Damian Harris, who was supposed to be out multiple weeks, but now he practiced in full. And remember, today is their Wednesday because it's a Monday game. So practice in full, both these guys on a Thursday. Yeah, um, it, it, I think Mac might have been a little bit more limited today, uh, but Damian Harris definitely practiced in full and expects to be available against Chicago. Uh, you know, the Mac Jones situation, uh, you know, with Belichick over there, uh, still kind of shady uh, about what they're going to do, not really kind of being very forthright with the plan. Um, uh, sounds like they still think he's going to be available to play, but they haven't given final word about whether he's going to be starting um, or if it's going to be Zappy playing. Uh, this could be another game time decision kind of thing. We should hopefully have some more answers tomorrow um, and uh, heading into the weekend. Um, but, you know, the Patriots, they typically will do this. They just like to play games with reporters and the media and the fans. <laughs> they don't always uh, come out and tell you right, right off the bat what they're going to do. Um, so you got to pay close attention. And for those fans who know Belichick and know the Patriots well, uh, this is probably not a surprise. That's all I have for my Chris, is there anybody I missed you want to ask Brian about? No, I think you covered it. Brian, I just have one quick question for you. When it comes yeah. to like some of these guys with the uh, you know, the coming back from the hangstring, for example, is there a time frame that you have in mind that you know would, is preferable? Because it seems like I see a lot of guys that sit out; they wind up getting hurt no matter how long they seem to sit out. So, is it something that you know you're just gonna you're kind of prone, you're prone, or is it something that you know six to eight weeks or a certain period of time you shouldn't, on average, um, you know, be better in a sense? Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's really a difficult thing uh, to to gauge because there's um, you know several different degrees of hamstring injuries. Sometimes it could just be some cramping. There could actually be some tearing of the muscle fibers. The problem is uh, it's a very inherently weaker muscle group compared to some of the other muscles in our thigh, like our quadriceps, which are those big muscles in the front of our thigh, and so they're really prone to to injury. And a lot of the players. Uh, tend to neglect their hamstrings, don't really train them as much. So you develop a lot of muscle imbalances. And in order to correct that and prevent re-injury, it takes a long time. So there's really no kind of set guideline as to how long a player needs to be out. Um, But I can tell you from experience, not only in treating patients with hamstring injuries, but having had one myself during my athletic days, man, these things take a long time to get better. And the more significant it is, the longer it takes to get better. And like I said before, you know, a lot of guys will feel really good and then they'll go out there and test it. And then uh, just a little tweak will just set them back like multiple weeks. So it's not surprising what happened to Keenan Allen the first time he tried to come back and had a setback. Um, I'm surprised you don't actually see that more often with these guys. Um, so it, it's just one of the more difficult uh, injuries to treat across all different sports, not just football. Always great stuff out of Brian Scott. Brian, what do you got coming up this weekend? Where to follow you at, man? Yeah, so uh, um, I'm actually putting together, trying to put the final touches on a a, a little article here uh, talking about OBJ. As we know, um, free agent signings are probably going to be coming down the pipeline real soon. And uh, apparently he's going to be cleared for a return to action sometime around week 11, which is coming up quick. And there's been a lot of stuff in the media lately about where he's going to sign if he signs with anybody. And so I'm just going to put together a little article that I'm working on here, uh, kind of given my medical opinion as to what you could expect from him uh, should he make his return this year and um, some a little bit of uh, medical data and uh, info behind why I, I 
think what I think. And um, uh, as always, you'll you'll find some uh, some of me on uh, Insta- um, Instagram, Facebook at the Injured List Podcast, and mostly on Twitter at host Brian Scott. And um, Andrew Leduck and I usually put out an article uh, before the end of the week um, on the fantasy website called Inside the Medical Tent, where I do a little bit more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff talking about some injured players. Yeah, that should be uh, getting published, I would believe, tomorrow or Saturday at some point. So go to yep. BillyFantasySports.com and make sure you guys check that out. Brian, love having you. We'll see you next Wednesday. Can't wait. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Brian. Again, that's Brian Scott, the Injured List Podcast. Make sure you give him a follow and make sure you download his podcast, really great stuff. He covers all sports, by the way. It's not, it's not just football. Okay, Chris, you and me. You ready? Lock it in. Are you feeling your clairvoyant sense? I am feeling my clairvoyant sense. I don't think that you know some of the people in the media were, were Andy Dalton tonight was a safer option to start. How's that working out for the Saints? Yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of surprised to see that they didn't just go to Winston in the second half because uh, if you're going to throw interceptions, then why not go with the guy who can actually have the ball deep? So I was kind of curious to see that after that debacle. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> that'll be something fun to talk about in the Sunday Funday recap show for that one. Also, why is Kyle Kamara not allowed to get into the end zone would be my follow-up question, although I am happy that I ranked Taysom Hill inside my top 12 tight ends this week because I had a feeling he would score, and he did. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> to my detriment, though, because I do have Alvin Kamara. So I feel you guys' pain. Don't don't worry. But today is the Clairvoyant Thursday show. It is the second half preview for Week 7. So we got seven games on the docket to get through. The first segment, we're going to talk about four matchups. We're talking about the Browns and the Ravens, the Jets and the Broncos, which uh, that might be ugly, and then the Texans versus the Raiders. And the one game that might be a shootout, maybe, the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Chargers. So, Chris, let's go ahead and dive into our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Finally have a quarter. Yesterday, you're not here for Wednesday, Chris, but Wednesday's last two weeks in a row, I haven't had any obvious starters at the quarterback position on a Wednesday. They're all on Thursdays. They're all in the second half for some reason. But I do have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's left a few throws on the table. I know the past couple of weeks, but he's my QB one this week, partly because, you know, Josh Allen's on by, but also because he's Lamar Jackson. And even when he has bad games passing, he still gets it done with his legs. We'll see if he gets Rashad Bateman back. That would go a long way. I know Mark Andrews is listed as banged up. They keep listing as a knee rest. If he misses tomorrow, I'll be concerned. And that's the whole reason why I didn't bring up with Brian, because we really have nothing to go off of with Mark Andrews. Ultimately, right now, I'm not too worried about it. The guy I want to talk to you about, though, that I do have my top three and is an obvious starter for me, is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is somebody that people are trying to buy low on right now because he's not necessarily performing as the top five quarterback that people drafted him to be. Do you think he gets back on track against Seattle? I don't know whether he gets back on track or not, but you know, people you talk about Lamar as your top guy. People were kind of down on him last few weeks. I was reading articles about, you know, is Lamar Jackson a top-tier quarterback still? I think people need to pay attention to what's going on this season and realize that if you're getting any kind of production consistently, 20 points or more, then you're happy as a lark right now. So when you talk about Justin Herbert being top five, I don't know, but he's one of the few guys that's pretty much even in bad games has a floor, while some of the other quarterbacks, you have no idea what you're going to get from week to week. The Chargers score points. They still have the weapons. You know, they're getting healthier. You know, Keenan Allen's going to be out still, but I think this team's kind of showing you with Austin Eckler in the running game. They're able to kind of still move the ball for this game to be you know, more of a high-scoring game, as you alluded to. Austin Eckler still I mean, Austin Eckler, 
Um, Justin Herbert's still a quarterback that you're going to have in your lineup because who else are you really playing over him? No, I'm going to put that graphic up too. And if you guys are listening on the podcast, don't worry. Once you get past quarterback eight, I talked about this yesterday, it's a crapshoot. Aaron Rodgers by QB9. People don't even want to play Aaron Rodgers. People don't even want to roster Aaron Rodgers. There's Matt Ryan and two attack Lavoa and Jimmy G. Like these are all names that are just like bottom tier. I'll, I'll go even higher, Dan. Oh, we, we watched Tom Brady have a debacle versus Pittsburgh Steelers, yep. one of the worst pass defenses we could possibly fathom. And you have number five there. So yep. I haven't seen Justin Herbert bobbing out like you know, Tom Brady has. So even Justin Herbert's got to be a guy in your lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we'll still have to see about Keenan Allen. If he, even if he's limited capacity tomorrow, I think he'll be questionable heading to the game. We'll, we'll have to see. But Herbert does have an upside when once Allen gets back. I really think that's what's missing for them. He's missing his go-to move-the-chains option. So whether it's this week or down the road, Justin Herbert, I think, will get back to that consistent top-five range. So if you are trying to trade for Herbert, good for you, because I do think you'll get things corrected. If you're trading away Herbert or thinking about it, Make sure you're getting good value in return because I don't think you really should bother. And then for this week, reason why my quarterback three, I mean, look, Seattle, you know, the 10th most points to the opposing quarterback right now. And even though it hasn't been great, to your point, there's been a floor every single week. So guess what? This week, yeah, you pointed out Tom Brady's a top five quarterback for me. Justin Herbert's the number three quarterback because that's just where we are right now for football purposes. It's been ugly. It's player studs. That's pretty much my mantra this year. Just keep playing your studs. Eventually, the levy will break. At least that's my theory anyway. Let's talk about the running backs, though. So Nick Chubb's an obvious starter, right? But I have him at RB8. I'm not as high on Nick Chubb this week as I normally am. And it's not because he had one bad game, and it was his only bad game so far this season. It's, it's the matchup against the Ravens. While the Ravens have not been a very, very good defense, especially against the air, They've been pretty good against the run, specifically been good against the run against rushing running backs, meaning the points they do give up are actually through the air. I think they're, I have it right here. They're, they're fourth in receptions and fifth in targets given up to the running back position. That sounds to me like this could wind up being more of a Kareem Hunt game. Nick Chubb's still an RB1, but I maybe don't have him inside the top five this particular week. Yeah, I mean, I think you can debate whether he's going to fit and finish the top five, but as the Ravens, this isn't necessarily the same kind of run defense we've seen in the past. The Ravens, you can run the ball on them, especially if you run right at them. And Nick Chubb's been spectacular, since, except for last week. I think this team's going to be able to score points and move the ball versus Ravens defense because everybody had, kind of has. Um, so as long as this game's kind of close, Nick Chubb to me has a great value because he'll be won't be kind of forgotten about. I don't disagree that Kareem Hunt could be kind of the, the beneficiary of the, you know being able to eat versus these linebackers. But there's a reason Patrick Queen's considered a bust for the Ravens, and that had some questions and marks about the other linebackers in that team because they haven't done a great job necessarily when teams have run at them, especially physical running backs. So you talked about, you know, they're able to kind of stop the run. Nick Chubb's a different beast that you're kind of, when you're bigger than the linebackers you're actually facing, gets a little interesting. No, no doubt about that. And that's why, like, I'm just, I'm just saying I don't have him on my top five because they give him the third fewest points to the running backs right now. But, yeah, like I said, he's still an obvious start. He's still an RB1. Alston Eckler, by the way, you're still obviously starting him. He's my RB3 on the week. I don't think we really need to talk about Devontae Adams either playing Houston. He's my wide receiver three. Is there, is there anything you want to talk about with Adams coming off the bye? No, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, this, this Houston secondary and so much like Spinkley, I'm sorry, so Stingley um, being a shutdown corner. That hasn't really been the case, and he hasn't really followed anybody either. So you know, don't worry about Devontae Adams. Definitely fire him up you know, with hope, excitement. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Assuming Mark Andrews is back and healthy, he's my number one tight end over Travis Kelsey. That's the first time all year that's happened. And that's just due to the fact that Kelsey is playing against the San Francisco 49ers. Very good against the tight end. Maybe they slow him down enough that Mark Andrews can be the number one guy this week. That's that's all that is a reflection of. You're playing both those guys. Darren Waller, however, so it looks like he's not going to play. I did have him inside my top five. If he does not go, Foster Moreau looks like he will step in. I'm okay with, I don't have an update in my rankings to reflect this yet, but I'm okay with streaming Foster Moreau. This is a guy who has shown that he gets utilized in the red zone, especially when Waller's out of the way. Where would you feel valuing Foster Moreau heading into this week? Like, for instance, I have guys like Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, Mike Isecki in that 12 to 14 range. I'm thinking off the top of my head, he might wind up somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it's not a bad option. I think some of those other guys that you mentioned, like with the upside, but maybe outside Gusecki, depending on you know how it kind of unfolds with the receiver core. I think Waddle and Hill are both healthy. When you've seen it earlier in the season two, was looking for the receivers over Gusecki. Um, but I think one thing I'm well, a little bit worried I, about. Okay, I want to caveat to that real quick. It's just Durham Smythe. That's the key for me. If Durham Smythe doesn't play, Gusecki's on the field more, and that's what happened last week. True, he was on the true. field more because Durham Smythe was out, and that, I think that's what led the way. But just that's the only reason why Gusecki is at tight end 14 for me. If Durham Smythe plays, I don't care about the receivers. Smythe plays, he will move down my list. Something to kind of keep an eye on there. Go ahead. Yeah, so, but, but I think as for the Raiders, I'm still interested to see where he actually falls in the food chain. They've been having a struggle kind of getting everybody involved as it was. You have Hunter Renfro returned from his concussion the week before they went on their bye. You still have Mac Collins kind of being utilized. You have, you know, Don Wall wasn't really seeing a lot of targets necessarily yet. So I'm kind of curious to see how it unfolds, especially with Josh Jacobs seeming to be the feature, you know, of their offense. And then Devonta Asma be the only other guy they kind of look for. So I think it's interesting to see. He's a crapshoot, but a lot of guys, you know, as we talked about earlier, are crapshoots after that top eight. For top five, yes, but <laughs> we thought the quarterback position was rough. Uh, no, no one's got anything on the tight end. That's why I taste of hills on people's radars. I mean, you have to think about it when well, you're looking at the, tight the top 11. That's why I made him a tight end one. That's exactly going, why. going into just by the way, going into last week, he was tight end three. Yeah, scoring this year. Can we just agree though that it's complete BS that he's listed as a tight end? Can, can we just at least agree on that part? Hey. I think it's a nice advantage if we get something that you know, ESPN was screwing up, as you alluded to earlier, for so long. Why can't we get a little benefit once in a while that you can actually have an extra tight end option? Because how rare do we have those? Yeah, that's fair, too. Let's get to our lock em ins. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Derek Carr as my QB7 this week. And just kind of just goes to say. But yeah, playing against Houston, coming off the bye, has Devontae Adams, has had a solid floor pretty much every week so far this season to begin with. This could be. 
and I didn't get the – actually, I must have skipped over this or I, I forgot to listen. Josh Jacobs is my number one running back overall this week. So we may have to talk about that real quick. I don't, I don't know. But he is my number one running back against the Houston Texans, not only because he's been dominating the last two weeks leading into the bye on the ground, but because they've now turned him into the workhorse back. They might lean on him again this week, which will take away the volume of Derek Carr. But to Houston Texans' credit, they've been able to keep enough of these games close enough where I don't think Carr and the passing game will just get left out because I do think they'll actually have to stay ahead of the, the Texans because they've done a good enough job keeping the game within a certain range where you have to stay somewhat aggressive. That's good enough for me to make Carr against this matchup QB7 this week. I know, sounds real exciting, doesn't it? But that's kind of what we're looking at. No, I don't think it's actually a bad option. I know it's not very super exciting, but to your point, I think that Josh Jacobs will be kind of continuing the workhorse. So I was kind of alluding to my little you know, trepidation about having the tight end starting because I'm not really sure how much you're going to utilize other guys. But one thing I do think is the play action is good for Derek Carr. He can open up the you know more th- threat on the field. He can work big plays. Houston gives up big plays. They do a good job kind of keeping the score low, but they can give up the big play if you can tack down the field. But that running game, as you pointed out, has not been stopped for by Houston most of this year except for Jacksonville for some reason. Um, I think that this team you know, can continue to be able to push the ball down the field. Bob Adams gets paid a lot of money, and I don't think the Raiders want anybody asking for a trade after this, after this week. So I think the receivers will get the ball just a little bit. Uh, lock in Brees Hall. Now, funny enough, I'm actually a little bit lower on Brees Hall than the ECR. ECR has him at top 12. I actually have him at running back 15. He's not going to have all these running ways against the Denver Broncos. Like To their credit, they have found a way to just keep everybody in check from the defense side of the ball. You know, Russell Wilson can't screw up that part of the ball, at least. It's a rough going. I think Brees Hall gets held in check enough where he's outside the top 12, but you're locking him in because he's just been so good and he's catching the ball and he's a workhorse back and he's talented. So I have my side my top 15, but I'm a little bit lower because of the matchup because it's a real tough one against Denver. Yeah, and Denver is also a pass funnel team. I mean, they've been doing a good job of kind of forcing teams that like to run the ball into a more of a pass situation, even with the score somehow. Um, and she alluded to the defense plays well. I think this is going to be a little bit tougher for the, the matchup up front. The Broncos have been getting a lot of pressure as of late, especially as of watched last week. So where the things the Jets can kind of be taken advantage of is that offensive line is definitely banged up. You start getting knocking around Zach Wilson, you start getting back in the backfield. It's a little bit different game where Brees Hall's going to be ripping off in 200 or games. So I, I don't think he's not I mean, you're taking out of your lineup, but I agree with you. I think he might be more of an RB2 flex option you know, value this week necessarily than the RB1 you've seen the last few weeks. Damian Pierce, I also locked him as my RB14. Lovey Smith, I already talked about today. Damian Pierce has got to get 20 carries. And you know what? So far, every time Lovey Smith has talked about Damian Pierce, they've done exactly what Lovey Smith has said they were going to do. So I don't doubt it. And he's an RB14 as a result. The guy I want to talk about, who I'm a little bit higher on in the ECR this week, is Kenneth Walker. He cracks my top 10. I got him an RB9 for the week against the Los Angeles Chargers. Here's my question to you, Chris. If the coaching staff continues to gain confidence in, in Kenneth Walker, and I would say they probably have a fairly good amount already after his first start last week, does this offense revert back to what Pete Carroll really wants to do in his heart of hearts, which is run the ball and play defense? We saw it a couple of years ago when Russell Wilson and this offense was cooking, and all of a sudden he ripped the rug out from under him because he said, our defense sucks and we got to get them you know, off the field more, so we're going to run the ball now. And the defense did play better. The offense suffered as a result to that. I'm just kind of curious that maybe the same thing might be in the works again. Well, I, I don't think so necessarily. I mean, how many carries did Walker get? I don't think it was still didn't 21. touch 20, 
21. Okay, so it was the first 20 game, 20 carry game by one back. Rashad Penny was doing quite effectively for them this season and the beginning of the season. He wasn't well, no discussed. No, no, he did not. And nor did they try to necessarily emphasize just being a run team that you keep alluding they want to get back to with Pete Carroll. I think what they like with their balance that they have, they like to throw early, let's move the pocket around, and they're going to use a running game. I think Walker's going to have a lot of value. I don't like to see how the team's going to suddenly just change you know, who they've been because he had 20 carries last week. I think you saw Rashad Penny be a guy that they can cut good carries to. They had Walker. They had Harris. They had Homer. They have options to use in a running game, but they like to still throw the ball, but they have DK and Ty Lockett. Now, the one thing I will say for this week and maybe moving forward is that Ty Lockett's continued to be kind of questionable or is the missed time. That will kind of, you know, change, I'm sure, moving forward. But as long as they have two healthy receivers – they like to use those guys, I think, and I think you're not going to really see a whole shift in philosophy. Yeah, great. I mean, Tyler Lockett missing practice again today. I didn't bother reporting it because that's been the, the case the last couple of weeks, and he still wound up being active. So far, one good game, one bad game off of that. Something to kind of keep your eye on moving forward. And the Chargers, by the way, in case you're wondering, give up the fourth most points to the running back position. So it's a smash matchup on top of me loving his talents, on top of him being a home run threat, and that's why he cracks my top 10 this week. Lock him into your lineups. Let's talk about the wide receivers. I want to lock in Amari Cooper. He's my wide receiver 11 this week. So a low-end wide receiver one against Baltimore Ravens. We talked about, you know, they've been pretty good against the run, but they just give points away to wide receivers left and right here. Third most points put up against the Ravens from the wide receiver position. For Cooper, I almost called him Cooper Cup. For Amari Cooper, the magic number is 10. 10 targets. If he gets 10 targets or more, he is at least he has a floor of a wide receiver 23 and a ceiling of a wide receiver 26. That's the mark. And I think he gets 10 targets against the Baltimore Ravens this week. Yeah, I think there's definitely a good chance. And you're right with the mark we're kind of looking for. It seems like for him, as long as the team has to throw the ball and they have to throw the ball, you know, 30 times or more, then it means him and Juku both can eat. If it's less than that, only one of them is going to eat. So it will be interesting. The Ravens team is getting kind of in between where they're giving up in the 20s of late. Um, I do think that, you know, one of the things I am a little bit worried about is the Ravens team gets exploited deep, deep down the field. You still have big plays. Um, People's Jones and some other guys are Schwartz are the kind of guys that you feature more in those roles. So it could be more of, you know, if they're going to get beat, the Ravens is a big play. Is it going to be a lot of seven, eight yard or seven, eight, nine, you know, targets to Omari Cooper or is it going to be big plays in a running game? That's what's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Do they hit the big players? They have to drive. They have to drive. Then Amari Cooper gets his targets. I'm also locking in Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver, 17. Despite all the struggles, last week was his first bad week. Okay, so that's why I'm not going to be overly concerned about Cortland Sutton. I'm locking him in. I'm also locking in the Seattle receivers if they are both healthy. Mostly talking about Tyler Lockett in that case, but I am locking them in against the Chargers, which is the second highest over under heading into the week. So we might have a shootout on our hands. I'm also locking in Brandon cooks. He's my wide receiver 16. So before we get into the guy that I want to highlight here, who of that group, where are you at on that, those group of guys? I just listed off. I love all those guys. The only guy I've been worried about is Brandon cooks. Cause I keep waiting for that game to come. But one of the things as you talked about, and when Lloyd Smith says, when Lloyd Smith says Damian Pierce is going to get 20 carries. He's been getting 20 carries. And they say when I feature Nico Collins, they've been featuring Nico Collins. As a result, Davis Mills has been terrible, and Brandon, Brandon Cooks has done nothing pretty much week in, week out. So until I hear Brandon Cooks needs to get the ball, I'm a little bit worried. I think he has a talent. I think he should be involved. But all season long, they've been looking to try to get other guys involved because it's young guys, I guess, but they haven't been winning with that and haven't been scoring points either. 
Yeah, I think weeks one and two, Cooks had a solid wide receiver two performances, and since then, it's it's been lacking, for sure, without a doubt. I just I'm locking him in against the Raiders. If he doesn't do it against the Raiders, and they still go back to Nico Collins, and there's a 50-50 split, or, or or the passing attack doesn't do anything, then moving forward, we're gonna have a real problem in our hands where Brandon Cooks becomes this wide receiver three who needs volume, but who knows if he's gonna get it type of player. I believe in his talents. I believe he's immensely more talented than the rest of the receivers on the Houston Texans, and that's going to have to account for something at some point, and it should happen against the Raiders. That's why I'm locking him in this week, but he is one of those players that are on my list of kind of a make it or break it this week. Like, if you don't do it this week, then we're going to have a whole different conversation about you next week. The guy with the highlight was Keenan Allen. Now, some of this gets kind of thrown out the window because now we're a little bit more unsure than I was earlier in the week when making this outline about his availability come Sunday. But let's just pretend for a second he's going to be out there. He's going to be available. I have his wide receiver 18, which is a good 10 spots higher than the ECR right now. When he comes back, I'm telling you right now, he's the go-to guy. He's the guy who's going to make everything else kind of fall back into place. The reason Justin Herbert has looked off, he hasn't had his go-to guy to be able to move the chains consistently. Mike Williams does Mike Williams things. That, that doesn't change whether Keenan Allen's in the lineup or outside of the lineup. What they need to be consistent is that Keenan Allen who consistently gets open and moves the chains for them. So when he comes back, I think he'll be right back to being the volume-based, high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one right away. The question is now... When will that be? We thought it would be week seven. Now it might not be till week nine. But what do you think about Keenan Allen when he does return to the field? Well, first of all, I do think it's going to be week nine. I think rarely do you want a star player who gets paid and people go against their wishes you now allowed in a sense. If the guy's saying, I think I should wait till after the bye, then I think the team's going to probably honor that. Um, having said that, when he does come back, whenever he does play, I think the key is going to be that he is healthy. Because while I agree with you, he's going to be a, tar- a target hog. He's going to be awesome in full point PPR. My concern is going to be if he's not really quick because he's not the fastest guy in the world as it is. Or are we going to get a Juju Smith-Schuster in Pittsburgh situation where you get a lot of targets and you catch this ball six, you know, six yards and fall on down? That Charger offense, you know, kind of depends on him to kind of be a little bit more than that. And a guy that he has to look, you know, getting getting a little bit more consistency to get the first down. So that's the only key for me is I think he's going to be heavily involved, no doubt. It's just will you get kind of more points with it? We get the touchdown opportunities. Or is it going to be kind of like a glorified, you know, six catch, 50 yards games? Because that's something that they can't really use with him. We'll have to see. I disagree, but we'll have to see. Uh, David Njoku, I'm locking him in as a top six tight end along with Gerald Everett. So the Gerald Everett thing, hit, I, I thought we were going to have to dump him down a little bit again because maybe Allen coming back. But even if Allen came back this week, I'd actually still have Gerald Everett in my top seven tight ends because now you have Donald Parham who finally got back, but now he's probably going to miss this week because of concussion injury. Oh, by the way, so is Josh Palmer. I'm not expecting Josh Palmer to be out there because he also had a concussion, and they haven't both been practicing. So now Jared Everett might be dominating that middle of the field. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of disappointing for Don Parham because this game that you talked about the injuries at receiver, this guy seems never to be healthy when he has an opportunity to kind of shine in a sense. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what they're going to use offensively. You have Mike Williams. I think it's going to be any game champ would be smart to try to take him away, especially down the field. So it's going to be a lot of Everett, I would expect, because that's coming. That Charger offensive line hasn't been pass protecting really well. They're going to need to get rid of the ball quickly. The tight end's been the guy they've been looking for. Uh, let's talk about – well, nope, that's it for my my lock of ins. So let's go ahead and get out to the lookout for players of this group. Look out for – 
I'm looking out for Geno Smith. So a lot of people have him ranked inside the top 12. A lot of people have been streaming him so far this point. This game is the second highest over under, but I still got him a QB 13. I am not so keen on Geno this week. And the reason is, well, it's twofold, really, frankly. First of all, the Chargers, surprisingly, I was kind of shocked to see this, but only 20th with points given up to the quarterback position. So one of the better teams in the league, that's number one. But number two, what we saw last week with them being able to give the ball to a running back who was explosive 20 times is that Geno Smith had 30 pass attempts. Now, he's had weeks so far this season where he's been efficient on 30, 31 pass attempts. But that's kind of more my point. I don't expect a guy like Geno, who's been a career backup, to consistently be able to be that efficient on that low of volume. And I did think that was going to catch up to him at some point. I think it catches up to him a little bit in this game. Still got his QB 13. Still, still my number one streaming option. Still talking about him in that conversation. He's in the same tier, frankly, as those other guys of, of a Jimmy G, of a Tua, of a Matt Ryan. He's in the same tier. So it's kind of a pick for me as far as that goes. But I think asking him to be that efficient on that low volume could be asking for a bit. Yeah, but I don't think that you've we've seen it this whole season. So I think there's a lot of jumping from one game, a game that they didn't have to use the passing attack. And they didn't have to hit through the wall like 10 times. So I think one of the things that you saw last week is that they didn't really have the receivers kind of pressing down the field. DK was kind of limited by Byron Murphy. And as a result, they kind of took what they could get, especially as running the game. Now, this week, the Chargers are going to move the ball, I think, a bit better than, than Arizona did. Then you're going to see a more up-tempo with the Chargers particularly because Arizona, for some reason, just refuses to go up-tempo anymore. And as a result, you're going to have more plays. And I think Geno can get back on track. I'm not saying this guy's going to continue the way he was doing it early in the season, but he wasn't doing anything outrageous for him in a sense. They're making easy throws. They're throwing the ball for first down. And I don't think they're going to all of a sudden want to become a team because they gave up a limited amount of points last week. I think they were the defensive first team. This team was hemorrhaging points in the secondary and struggling with defense. And then they're going to think all of a sudden they're a defensive juggernaut moving forward right now. No, I don't think they're a defensive juggernaut moving forward. That, that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is that for a guy like Gino to put up the stats that he's putting up, he really needs to be throwing the ball more like 35-plus times. On 30 times, I think it was just a matter of time before that efficiency number of caught up to him. So we'll be curious to see this week against the Chargers. And real quick, uh, the Chargers played Davis Mills in, in Cleveland. So it's, it's not like they actually had a lot of – and Cleveland ran all over them. So it's not like they had a quarterback that had to throw the ball versus them too much either. Be 20th. Yeah, and, and then, you know, if you want to go big name, you say Russell Wilson, who sucks. So, no, that's a fair point. Uh, Kareem Hunt, he's my RB26. I already kind of talked about him a little bit in the Nick Chubb analysis. And I think this could be a decent Kareem Hunt week. My point is more with him. Don't just bench him because he had a terrible game the other week. Kareem Hunt's still very much involved into this offense. It revolves around the backfield. Uh, Dobbins, we don't really need to talk about him. I have him as my RB33. He's kind of a placeholder until we get definitive stats on whether or not he's going to be able to play. We can't talk about Kenyon Drake as a result, though. So he comes in my RB36. I'll probably move him up to that 33 spot where I have Dobbins at right now. But, Chris, we've seen Kenyon Drake. He had his opportunities earlier in the season. He did absolutely nothing with them. Are we really going to sit here and buy into the idea that Drake needs to be in our lineups now? I don't think he needs to be in your lineups, but I think you need to take note. I do, I agree with him. In the beginning of the season, he looked terrible, but he also looked really slow. He actually looked kind of quicker. So it could be a matter of this guy's an older guy. It takes him a little longer to get his legs. If that's the case, then he could have some upside. 
We already have concussions about J.K. Dobbins and his long longevity. But having said that, Gus Edwards, I do believe, is going to be back this week. And I think as a result, you're going to see him more limited as res- and not getting the touchdown volume or opportunities for touchdowns. I think we saw Drake not, isn't going to be all of a sudden what we saw last week. We can break it off all kinds of long runs. So where that's where I have my trepidation. He wasn't involved in the passing attack. He's not a really guy that other than last week had any kind of major big runs. So if he starts getting more explosiveness, take notice. But Justice Hill should be back. Gus Edwards should be back. There's a lot of guys who kind of mix his backfield in. I'm not going to run out and make sure I have Drake in my lineup this week. Michael Carter is usually in our flex conversation. He is not this week. Just because the the gap between him and Brees Hall has been it's been increasing as far as the usage description. And look, and I said it two weeks ago when, when Carter had those those one yard touchdown runs, that's not something you're going to expect to happen on a regular basis. This is Brees Hall's official backfield now. Michael Carter is just the backup for it. But I do want to go off on this running back situation. So Nathaniel Hackett, my, my respect for you was was already like just like to the floor. Okay. Now it's it's in the sewer. You talk to us like we're idiots. I have no idea about the running. I have no idea how Mevin Gordon only got three carries or why he got benched. He did nothing wrong. I with this same stupid excuse of I left this to my I leave the rotation to my running backs coach. I'm the head coach who calls the plays, but I have no idea why anybody's in the game. This is exactly why you're a moron who's not going to make it past this season. Frankly, shouldn't make it through the end of this season. I'll be shocked if that happens as long as this crap continues to happen. So that's first and foremost. I can't stand dumb coaches. I especially can't stand it when they treat the rest of us like we're stupid, like we're supposed to believe that you don't have any idea of why you have personnel in at certain times throughout the game when you're the one calling the plays. So I wanted to go off on that part. Melvin Gordon, before anybody starts losing their mind, is my RB23 this week. I am doubling down on Melvin Gordon. He is the starter. He belongs in your lineups. He's immensely more talented than a Latavius Murray, immensely more talented than a Mike Boone. I don't know about their conversation. They said it went great. I don't, I don't believe anything that comes out of the thing of Hackett's mouth, so I don't really care about that point. But I do think there will be a point to be made to overcorrect because he didn't fumble. He didn't get hurt. There's no explanation for it. Melvin Gordon will be in there, and you can play him as a low-end RB2, and I hate you, Nathaniel Hackett. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I agree with the name Daniel Hackett, and I hate you, and you're a moron. I don't know if I'm confident that Melvin Gordon's going to be in there because this guy is a moron. I don't know if he's going to continue to figure out anything out. He hasn't done anything this entire season that gives you any hope that he could actually adjust and get smart. So I do have concerns. I think what Latavius Murray started or played is I'm convinced this guy is Adam Gase reincarnate. It's Frank Gore all over again. I'm going to find the slowest possible running back to throw in my backfield and screw up everything. This guy is ruining this offense, is ruining this team, and I'm not surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Gordon isn't somebody that is trying to figure out to get out of that backfield for some reason. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I think there'll be an overcorrection this, this week. So that's why I'm saying pat on it. But look, if you're saying to me, like, Daniel Hackett's dumb and we don't know, I'm not going to argue that point at all, as, as, you, as you can see. Please tell me, please tell me you're with me on this. He doesn't make it to the end of the season. This continues for a few more weeks, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I, what I'm curious about, and also what I'm a little bit more nervous about Melvin Gordon also, is there's a lot of talk about Rippon taking some snaps in the first team snaps this week. Now, I don't know if that's just kind of keeping Russell Wilson healthy, um, but if that, Russell Wilson gets shut down for any period of time, he has a built-in excuse. This I keep hearing this stupid narrative that this offense is so complicated to learn, and look what happened to Aaron Rodgers the first year, and look how hard it was for him to adjust. And that all his great coaches, including John Elway, comes out for some reason like, oh, well, when I played in this, you know, Mike Shanahan, it was really hard for him to learn his offense. The only difference for you, John Elway, was um, this guy's played this offense already twice. Bevel and Schottenheimer, it's not new to him. Maybe a little bit of a different terminology, but this is not a brand-new offense. And, oh, one more thing. You can still hand the ball off. It doesn't matter if the quarterback knows how to call the plays. You can still hand the ball to Devonta Lewis, who's healthy. And Melvin Gordon, as you're talking to, this coaching staff just seems to have no clue at all. We're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to Russell Wilson in, in just a little bit. We got a uh, Jared here. Who should I pick up for my bench? Latavius Murray, Elijah Mitchell, Kenyon Drake, or any other running backs you can think of that might be better of that group? Elijah Mitchell. I mean, the fact that he's even available is befuddling to me. If you need a guy this week, try to pick up Kenyon Drake, but make sure you grab Mitchell there because he's going to be back in a few weeks and he'll be the lead running back for the 49ers. Right, Chris? Yeah, I think it depends on your need. If you need to meet somebody now, I understand you can't really necessarily wait for Mitchell, but Mitchell's the guy, if you configure a way to get him on your roster, you still want him regardless if you pick up another one of those guys. All right, so our let's get into our wide receivers because I was ready to skip ahead to Russell Wilson conversation. We're not there yet. Uh, look out for – We might as well the receivers. So. <laughs> That's yeah, You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> look out for Rashad Bateman. If he does play, he's my wide receiver 26 this week. Lamar needs him. As much as I've not loved the usage of Rashad Bateman, which is basically they've turned him into Marquise Brown instead of using him what he is, which should be a baby DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that would fit the offense a hell of a lot better, but neither here nor there, just more coaches pissing me off. He needs to be out there, though, because right now what happens is that Duvernay is a nice player. He's a nice Swiss Army knife, but he's not that receiver who can get open on a consistent basis. They don't have that guy, and you can see Lamar kind of struggling with it because he's second-guessing where he wants to go with the ball if Mark Andrews is not initially open off the snap. So I think I think Rashad Bateman is very important. That's why he's a high-end wide receiver three for me if he does go. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. My only concern would be how limited is his touches that they have him out there over decoy because, as you alluded to, this offense needs him to be able to do anything. Greg Roman, we all know, is not very creative. The only thing that he can kind of get off is if you are able to clear out the safeties and clear out some things underneath for him. If you can't do that, then Duvere and Andrews don't have the you know big days that you want them to have. Lamar struggles because, let's be real, this team did a crappy, shitty job this offseason in getting his man weapons. You want a guy to resign with you for you know decent money? Give him some freaking weapons. Like, this is ridiculous that he has to worry about one guy getting hurt and they have nothing to kind of go up to other than Duvere. So I think Bateman, if he's out there, he's a guy that you want to probably have. Him. I just be a little bit worried about, you know, how often does he actually get featured? We always get like four, two, three types, you know, targets per game as it was early on. I, I'm a little nervous if he doesn't hit big, um, but luckily it's Cleveland, so good chance. 
Um, <laughs> what about Deshaun Jackson? I mean, that's that's not the weapon you're looking for. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'll even look. I, I'm going to say this because this, this is so stupid. It would help. It'll help. Anything <laughs> that actually has speed will help. Like, it's this offense. What will help is Jernard Robinson. That wasn't helping. Uh, yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, Jared came back. He said he met Jeff Wilson, not Elijah Mitchell. In that case, it's easy for me. Oh, it's help. Jeff Wilson. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely taking up Jeff Wilson for this week. Um, Jerry Judy, he's on my lookout for list. So here's what I can say positive. He was the lead receiver last week. The negative part is it was still three catch 54 yards. Like it pretty much was this is the identical stat line from the week before. I still have Judy as a wide receiver 31. He's a wide receiver three for the record. Any running back or wide receiver I have ranked after 30 this week. I'm not very excited about, <laughs> you know, we'll say they're all in the same tier, uh, but he's out there. He's running all the routes run. He's still getting seven plus targets every single week. And eventually the levy's got a break. So Jerry Judy's a wide receiver 31 for me. And then Mike Williams comes to my wide receiver 22. If Keenan Allen does apply, he'll move up from there. But regardless, he's a wide receiver two for me. So, I mean, and you got, do you have a quick Judy point? Yeah. Look out for, a trade to demand soon because it's going to be another situation <laughs> where guys can't get the ball and they're actually good receivers. How funny is it that Elijah Moore goes for a trade demand before Jerry Judy does? Because I feel like that should have been the other way around. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, Greg Dolchich, not for this week, but I'm going to throw his name out there. You're looking for tight ends who have upside. He came in right away, took over the starting job his first day. I'm not overly excited by his box score because remember that touchdown came on a broken play. But Russell Wilson has been targeted tight ends a little bit as I don't know how much you guys want to tie your name to Denver offenses right now, but the tight end position is that future where a guy just has a little bit of an inkling of upside. I feel like I got to talk about him. All right. With that, let's talk. Let's go to our be cautious of for this group. Be cautious of. We finally get to talk about the man himself, Russell Wilson, who comes in my QB 19. I made sure he wasn't even going to make my graphic this week because my graphic goes up to QB 18 and I want to make sure he wasn't even on the list. My QB 19. You suck, Russell Wilson. I love Chris. How much did you love when Ian Rappaport put out there in his little report? Russell Wilson has a hamstring injury. It's a real injury with real pain and we can visibly see him, but how to put in there. It's a real injury because that's how much we're all making fun of him for the shoulder injury. Yeah, the guy comes up with all kinds of excuses. Although he says, you know, he always takes it in the chinnies and he will, you know, you know, praise Jesus and figure out the way to get the touchdowns. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime you can keep praising, but nothing's happening for you, dude. And he's about Greg Dulwich. That's probably the only guy in this offense that I have confidence in because the the team seemed like the coaching staff's convinced they wanted to use him. So that's why also the Tavius Murray part, I'm not really sure. What it does seem also on the, on the other side is Russell Wilson, they want him to look terrible. He's going to continue to look terrible. On, like last week, you got that shot in your shoulder, like we talked about, you know, the, the fake injury, and you still played like that. If your hamstring is hurt and you're actually hurt, oh my God, how bad can it get? I don't know if I can even have it in my top 20. <laughs> well, <laughs> trust me, I'll, I, it won't take much for me to look for reasons to move him outside of my top 20 <laughs> as the week progresses. By the way, make sure you stay up to date with my rankings. We do update the rankings throughout the weekend on bellyfantasysports.com. I'm not playing Zach Wilson or Davis Mills. We can talk about the Jets receivers to kind of cap off the segment. So I'm not playing in the Jets receivers 
anyway. I don't even know if Elijah Moore is going to be active. He didn't show up for practice today. Robert Sala tried to cover for him at first, saying it was an excused absence. But then we find out that Elijah Moore actually put in to demand a trade. Now, the Jets quickly saying they're not entertaining the idea. And, I mean, if I'm Douglas, I know I wouldn't want to entertain the idea. But the man's got a point. <laughs> How can he be the starting wide receiver and be out there and was supposed to be the lead guy coming out of camp and never be involved? He's running more routes than Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's out-targeted him, I believe, every single game, including whether Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson's been the quarterback. And Corey Davis. Corey Davis, I kind of leave him out because we know he has his certain role where he's going to be out there all the time. But really, it's you're just left out completely and utterly. And I don't know when you're going to be able to play a Jets receiver. But here's what here's I got two questions for you, Chris. First of all, where would you want Elijah Moore to go if they actually did trade him away? And the second question is, if Moore is not going to be active this week because of he's demanding the trade and maybe he does like a little holdout thing, are you interested in Garrett Wilson as a flex play at that point? So to the Garrett Wilson point, no, um, because of the matchup. You know, Patrick Sintan has been awesome, and if you're the receiver and you're not really getting featured a lot in the Jets offense as it is, I'm not wanting anything to do with you with Patrick Sertan. As for Elijah Moore, and just, you know, let's all remind people, Denzel Mem requested was a second-round pick also and demanded a trade as well. We warned you guys all offseason that the Jets have no clue how to use multiple weapons, and this is the result. Joe Douglas did a fantastic job putting this together team together. The problem is, is you have a coaching staff that has no idea how to utilize all that talent, and as a result, you're going to have some egos that are going to be upset at receiver who want to get paid because if I don't get my opportunities, I don't get my $20-25 million contracts. Right. Well, you're going to have a lot of people bitching. And Elijah Moore's a pretty good soldier guy. Let's not get it twisted. So that means that yeah. I wouldn't be surprised but how horrible it is for some of the other guys in that locker room. Um, yeah, when Braxton Berrios is still still in your position last year, like he played to the slot for no reason, Elijah Moore has kind of played the good soldier long enough. I would love to see him get all – I'd like to see Dunzel get freed. Um, where I'd love to see Elijah Moore, who wouldn't like to see him on the Chiefs? I mean, let's be real. I can hear Green Bay. Who cares about Green Bay? Green Bay's cooked. <laughs> we, just, we see him in that offense in Green Bay. Look, he's in the same offense in the Jets. Why do we see that? Right. Kansas City – they can't get the ball to receivers. None of their guys are doing anything on the outside. Him, Travis, Kelsey. Yeah. Elijah Moore would be instantly like in the wide receiver one conversation if he went to Kansas City. Just throwing it out there. You, me, and uh, Adam LaRue, who's also on the Billy Fantasy Live, we were talking about that on our Slack channel, and that was one of the teams I immediately brought up because I'm like, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. But on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our last three matchups to talk about on this clairvoyant Thursday. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. 
Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. It's a clairvoyant Thursday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can get notified whenever we have new content available. You can also check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices, you can catch us on demand. We look at the Belly Up Sports TV category, or just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. Please give us a five-star review. It really helps us out. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined by my co-host, Christopher Dowhauer. We're getting a little fired up here on this clairvoyant Thursday night because it's week, week six and I'm tired of stupidity. So we're just going to let it go. And I don't really care anymore. That's what happens when we're watching the offense we watched the last three weeks of football. This has been hell. <laughs> yep. And for fantasy football purposes, there's nothing more frustrating than watching terrible offense. It makes the analysis stale. So we're not going to be stale. We're going to entertain you. And we're just going to tell you what we're thinking instead. Anyway, we got three matchups to talk about the cap this week off. We got the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. That'll be an interesting game, at least. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins. I'm not really looking forward to that game being on Sunday night, but I guess there could be worse things like watching the Denver Broncos again on primetime, which we don't have to do this week, thankfully. Uh, and then it does, though, I don't know how much of a trade-off it is when we have to watch Chicago and New England on Monday night. But those are three matchups we got to talk about here. So let's go ahead and get right into our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Patrick Mahomes is my QB, too. I know he's playing in San Francisco. I know it's a tough matchup. The one thing I'm getting annoyed by, and I, this is me as a 49ers fan, why is the one recognizing that the entire back end of the San Francisco secondary is banged up? Like, I don't think Travis Ward's going to play. Maybe Jimmy Ward does. That's a possibility, but we don't have Mosley anymore. Maybe Verrett's out there. No Eric Armstead. You're hoping to God Nick Bosa plays. So this is a 49ers defense that's good, but really hurt. And we saw what happened when they're that injured against Atlanta last week. So ultimately, Travis Kelsey, maybe he's the number two tight end, so the number one tight end, like I said, because Fred Warner is still there. But uh, for Patrick Holmes... I ain't worried about it. He's my QB2 in the week. I 100% agree. Look, I wasn't a huge believer in the, the, the defense without Bosa. With the banged-up injuries, as you talked about, this team was struggled to get pressure versus the Atlanta Falcons, who have been hemorrhaging pressure. If you don't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. He's going to do fine. I love who Patrick Mahomes still is a top-tier quarterback. 
So this this ranking I'm going to have to update. I was not expecting Damian Harris to be available this week, and then he practiced in full. So it looks like he's going to. I was going to have Ramondre Stevenson as the RB4 until that happens. Um, As a result, Chris, I'll, I'll just throw this at you. With Damian Harris back, his first week back from the hamstring, albeit very quickly, so maybe it wasn't that severe to begin with, do you think he takes back over the lead role right away? Or maybe for this week, it's a little more Ramondre Stevenson in a 50-50 committee. I would think it should be a 50-50 committee at best. I don't think you're ever going to see Damian Harris necessarily take over this backfield again. Um, and one of the things that I think you're is kind of curious to me is how healthy is Damian Harris? Because as you alluded to how, you know, how severe is the injury, I haven't heard he's been out there about a month. Now, we've seen Matt Jones be practicing for the last three weeks or so, even though he's supposed to be out for a period of time and remains not playing until possibly this week. This is a New England thing, so I don't know if this is, you know, kind of a we're going to try to throw this guy out there and have him active, and he's still on the bench the whole sidelines. I'm not excited about Damian Harris in my lineup this week. I wouldn't have the kind of guts to do that because we know Belichick will screw you in a heartbeat. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be a 50-50 split or he's going to take the backfield over, but at worst, it probably could be a 50-50 split. Yeah, so that's a player analysis. I'm going to throw this from a fantasy football, like gaming side of it strategy-wise. You're not playing Damian Harris this week because it is the Monday night game. I don't know if we're going to have a clear-cut idea until Monday night whether or not he's actually be really heavily involved. Don't ha- You're not going to have a pivot option likely to go to for that game. So whatever you played with without Damian Harris last week, just plan on rolling that out again this week. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't take that chance. That's, that's the fantasy aspect of the gaming, the strategy side of it. The player analysis point, I think you hit it right on the head. If it, it should lead Stevenson, be 50-50. If not, you know, Harris... Unless the first report was completely and utterly wrong, he shouldn't be back already. So it will be curious to kind of see, but he is practicing in full. So we'd have to lean towards him being able to be active and suit up. Uh, but let's talk about our obvious starters at the wide receiver position. I got two Miami Dolphins with two and Tagalavoa back in the top five this week, assuming Waddle's healthy, of course, because that, that is something we have to watch. But he's been he's been able to go over the past couple of weeks anyway with the groin issue. You're licking your chops against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You, you want to talk about good matchups. Holy crap. The Steelers give up the most points to the wide receivers. Not to, and That doesn't really quite encapsulate it, okay? It's the most points to the wide receivers. It's the most big plays. It's the most yards after catch. It's everything you want the Dolphin receivers to be able to do this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that Tampa Bay, for whatever reason, was not able to take advantage of that last week. That does not mean it's still not a very severe weakness. And Mika Fitzpatrick coming back, he helps, but I don't think he's the, he's not the cure for what the woes they've been having there on the back end. So I got both Dolphin receivers in the top five this week. Yep, and I 100% agree because while everybody wanted to crap on Tua but not being aggressive down the field, so far this season he has been. Why Tampa Bay didn't have those kind of big plays as you alluded to? Because they didn't try to. Mike Evans had four targets. They threw the ball. Nothing but Mike uh, Godwin across the middle over and over and over again. 12 targets, six car- six catches for like no yards. That's what the Tampa Bay offense did last week. That's why the, there was nothing but a great chance that the Dolphins have a huge opportunity. Two has looked good from what I understand. He's been aggressive down the field. They've been featuring his receivers all season long. I've been to come and get back out. And he's been kind of, you know, wants to show off, I think, in a sense, too. So I think this game's going to be kind of a good game to kind of get back. And get right, I love the receiver plays. You also love Debo Samuels, my wide receiver eight this week with the matchup. Could be high scoring. They're going to have to get him involved. Uh, the tight ends, Travis Kelsey's my number two. We talked about that. 
George Kittle comes into my tight end three this week. Uh, look at the list. Darren Waller, who's not probably not going to play as my tight end four. Pat Freermuth, five. Njoku, six. Yeah, by default, just because how this offense should go, or this game I should I say should go, uh, George Kittle is on the top three this week. I'm going to agree with you because <laughs> I just – this to me just streams ego – where I can see Shanahan actually wanting to feature his tight end because you have a good tight end. Well, I'll show you my tight end this week. He never keeps playing for the poor man every other week, but I think this week he will. So I I think so. And I think the ego will kick in. And I agree with you. Dan. I think this will kill actually gets used like he's supposed to. All right. Let's go to our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. I don't have any lock them in quarterbacks. I have one lock them in running back. I got Raheem Mostert sitting there at the RB 18 spot. And I don't think we really need to talk about this too much. It's a nice match against Pittsburgh. He's still leading the way in the backfield. The only thing we'll talk about with Miami's backfield is that at least Chase Evans reestablished himself as the backup. Miles Gaskin was inactive last week. So we went back to that. And Edmonds also had a decent amount of snaps to go along with it. Like, like I said, most are still dominated the touches out of the backfield, but Edmonds still got about, I think it was about 35% of the snaps for in, in his own right. So, it's Edmonds back to being the handcuff, but that's it. That's all he is. Raheem Mostert, the lead guy, and I got him as a top 20 play this week. Yeah, with Miami being able to actually you know, get secondary back for Pittsburgh, you're going to be able to run the ball like everybody else has versus Pittsburgh again, unlike Tampa Bay once again, but I think you're going to see both guys kind of eat. And I think one thing that's really exciting about Mostert is that with Edmonds kind of even getting his kind of usage in a sense, the matchup for Pittsburgh, a team that has a 3-4 defense, has a bigger outside linebackers, you need pass protection, this team's been using the bigger back when they play bigger teams, which are the three, four defenses. So what was just going to be out there regardless of the game script? What about Pat Freermuth, who I'm locking in as my tight end five this week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Gets back, he's active, he's been practicing in full, so we're not really worried about him. He, He missed last week. He'll be back this week off the concussion injury. The Dolphins suck against tight ends. They've given up the 12th most points to the tight ends. That's usually where they let up the touchdown in the passing attack. Chris, the only thing that I'm concerned about with ranking Pat Fearmuth as a fifth tight end, and by the way, when I move Darren Waller out, he's probably going to move to my fourth tight end. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is we haven't really seen Fearmuth and Kenny Pickett. Right, because the one game that Pickett did start and Freemuth played and they actually played the whole game together was against Buffalo. So you wouldn't necessarily think that Pat Freemuth would have a good game against Buffalo because they're so good against the tight ends anyway. Do we think that with Pickett at the starting quarterback position that he can still get Freemuth the ball? From what I 
I, now, Buffalo game, I'm not quite sure, but I thought the one game that they did play together, his target share was just as equal if it had been, quote, Trubisky. There was one guy who actually well, was still getting the targets. The only had two targets, and then the next game, well, Pickett and Freeman got hurt. So it's kind of Okay, hard. so yeah, that game hit five for 75. That was that game. Um, but from what I understand, like I said, for percentage-wise, from the snaps run that he had run a similar, if not better, um, you know, opportunity or, or plays, pass-catching opportunities with Pickett under the quarterback. I know you saw kind of a resurgence in Pickens and his usage didn't necessarily hurt for me. The problem for Pittsburgh in general is they don't score points. They don't get sustain drives. Yeah. The one hope you might have is that Harris looked like he wasn't quite dead last week. So maybe, just maybe, if he gets a little bit of spring back in his step, the offense can kind of get some first downs again. But you're always my biggest thing is Pat Permit doesn't see the volume because other than that first game, Pickett's not throwing the ball as much as you were hoping for because that team just can't kind of move the ball consistently. Uh, yeah, so I'm locking him in as the top five tight end. Will probably be my top four by the time this week is out. That's it for my lock of for this. So let's jump into our lookout for players. Look out for. Look out for Jimmy G. I got him as a top 12 quarterback this week. Look, the 49ers offense functions best when they get the running game going. And I don't think they're going to abandon it quite as quickly as they did against Atlanta last week. And I think it will be a little bit more successful. Having said all that, there's a really good chance Jimmy G throws the ball more than 35 times in this game. That's the mark for him. When he throws the ball 35 plus times, he finishes as a top 12 quarterback a little more than 70% of the time. It's a good chance that happens here against Kansas City and a heavy, heavy bye week when you have teams like Buffalo and the Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings on bye. He comes in my top 12. Yeah, I think a good analogy is take a look at the Colts game when the when the Chiefs played that Colts team, what Matt Ryan was able to kind of do. Then you're going to see Jimmy G kind of do something similar. It's going to be a lot of volume. The only way that game will be different is the 49ers were somehow to be up and run the ball the entire game, which I hope they think they want to do. I don't really see that, as you alluded to, the defense being healthy enough for that, how that to happen. So as a result, they're going to have to score points. Chiefs are going to make you kind of you know, put points on the board. They have good pace. Jimmy G should have a big, good, nice floor this week. So Tua comes in my QB 11. That's right. First week off the concussion injury, he's inside my top 12, and you're likely playing him as a low-end QB 1. But I do have something I want to ask you, Chris, and it's the one caveat that's been kind of entering my mind. Well, really, too. The one part is, you know, how sharp are you going to be coming off of a really severe concussion injury your first game back? That, that's part of it. But the real question I have is this. You're going up against Brian Flores, who knows you pretty well. Does that factor in at all for the Steelers' defense maybe overachieving against Tua this week? Yeah, I know Brian Flores got a lot of credit for what happened last week for Tampa, so I don't know how much Brian Flores is influential in the defense or not, but I also see that defense be terrible for most of the season, so I like to give some of that credit also. Um, but as for this point, he's a linebacker really, coach. He's not even a defensive coordinator, right? Like, I'm, I'm just they keep, they keep acting like he's been doing something you know strategically and crazy, but just to be you know kind of poke fun at. I thought he thinks Tua can't play, so I don't know if he can actually game plan again because he don't have a guy to actually do anything down the field or actually be what he was. So I don't know if he needs to stop. Um, so I think for me, I don't really see – I don't think he knows what Tua is, and he hasn't seen this offense yet either. They're running a completely different offense, completely different coordinators. So I think this is a good matchup for Tua versus – we'll see if Flores is you know pushing the buttons behind the scenes and defense in Pittsburgh. I have a group of lookout for running backs. Clyde Arzalaire comes to my RB24. Jeff Wilson comes to my RB21. Najee Harris comes to my RB19. And David Montgomery comes to my RB20. You can order those however the hell you want because they're all in the same tier. And that's kind of more my point. 
They all have the same analysis. They need to get in the end zone. <laughs> like, play it simple. These guys have all question marks as far as what is their volume actually? How efficient can they really be? And they really need to score in order to implement their value being RB2s. I have all four of them right there. They're all four the same in the same tier. Take your pick. Go ahead. I'm probably going to go Harrison and Montgomery. Now, Harrison, I know, has been you know, very exciting, and I know the offense did a great job versus Dalvin Cook for most of the game until he had a break, you know, big run. But for the most part, the Dolphins rely on their blitz and have to kind of continue to blitz you to stop the run. Otherwise, the linebackers can't hold up. I think they're going to be kind of keeping more track of just keeping the receivers in front of them and kind of easier win in this game. So I think he can have a decent game. Um, and then for Montgomery, of the group, he's one of the other guys that you figure, even if he's kind of splitting carries with Herbert, he actually gets the ball thrown to him, and Chicago can throw the ball all the time. But if a game script kind of changes, when they do throw the ball, he's usually the guy who's involved in some capacity, while the other guys could easily disappear. Edward Teller could go away if it's a McKinnon game, or if they get up, it could be a Pachero game. There's too many other guys that can you know, plenty of other options in a sense that could happen in the field for the other guys for me to like them. But I think those other two, I think, are good options this week, or possible good options. All right, let's get into the wide receivers that I'm looking out for. Juju Smith-Schuster. So before you guys all get excited – while the 49ers defense is banged up, they tackle. They tackle a hell of a lot better than whatever the hell that was last week, which led to Juju getting his crazy little 44-yard touchdown. It will be the last one of his career, by the way. That, that's not going to happen again. <laughs> but I, I just want you to highlight there. It was a one catch for 44 yards, right? And he barely went over 100 yards. He did one something else week one. And all I've heard all week long is, is Juju the guy to have? This is crazy to me. Yeah, I'm with you, Dan. It's definitely a guy. I'm not excited. I think people are definitely well, smoke, drinking the Kool-Aid and looking to drink the Kool-Aid for this situation. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, of the Chiefs receivers, he probably is the guy that has. But that's the kind of the thing. I don't know how much I want to have the Chiefs receivers right now until they turn things exactly. over. Exactly. Exactly. Unless I'm in a full plant PPR. I mean, even Juju's great game, it took a 44-yard play for him to do anything. The guy's not scoring touchdowns. He's not consistent. So I'm not excited about particularly good team as you alluded to. Banged up or not, they can still tackle. Yeah, and he comes in my wide receiver 36 on a heavy bye week. I apologize for him last week because I was too low on him ultimately because I was about 12 spots lower than the ECR had him ranked going into last week. So I apologize for that. I moved him to wide receiver 36 this week, mostly due to the bye week, mostly because somebody, my analysis on the Kansas City receivers hasn't changed though. Somebody is going to do something. I can't tell you who it's going to be with any confidence. The odds, the probability are in Juju's favor ever so slightly, but this could easily be Marquez Valdez-Scantling this week. That's the problem. I mean, it was Justin Watson's week two, so I mean, we never know who's going to be week to week. I think that's the problem. Right, right. so my analysis doesn't ultimately change, but Juju is the one who's in the top 36 just barely. The guy I want to talk about a little bit more is Brian Ayuk. So he actually comes in my wide receiver 23, my low-end wide receiver 2. It's the highest I've had him ranked all season long. And he had a nice game last week. That's not really the reason why I'm doing it. Kansas City is giving up the fourth most points to wide receivers right now. And Debo Samuel, for whatever reason, doesn't really look like Debo Samuel as of this moment. He's not hitting those big plays. He's not getting as open as he was. Brandon Ayuk, everyone's kept talking about how great he's looked in practice, how great he looked in training camp finally bust out last week and Jimmy Garoppolo if he's looking for a receiver down the field it's Brandon Ayuk right now I feel okay about playing Brandon Ayuk as a wide receiver too this week yeah I think I think what you look at the numbers the last three to four weeks he's been the guy who's most targeted in the passing game that's the reality he's not putting the numbers up that you're hoping for necessarily 
But he's been pretty consistently getting those targets where Debo's been all over the place. He has his big plays once in a while, but as you alluded to, they have been consistently, and they're not using him as the receiver one per se. So Brandon Ayuk is a guy that I think is definitely on the radar, and the game script it should be a pass more pass friendly, you know, 49er offense. And I think that he's got some good upside where, as you alluded to, being a receiver too, because it's a good matchup. And Brandon Ayuk looks like he's going to get eight targets in a good matchup. That's a good opportunity for some big plays. This next guy, I'm just frustrated by. Deontay Johnson, I got him at wide receiver 30. Look, guys, before you start jumping down my throat, it's like, oh, what has Deontay Johnson done to get into your top 30? He's eighth in targets. It's not like the volume's not there. It's just such bad quarterback play trying to actually get him the ball. He's got one of the lowest catch rates of all the wide receivers out there right now. Eventually, if he keeps getting top 10 volume, he's going to have to do something. And he's second in separation rate. So that's the one thing to also consider. Not only is he getting the volume, right. he's, he's open, as you alluded to. He's like he's wide open. That's why the guy gets the ball all the time, because he's, by the last far, last three or four years, he's been the top five in separation rate. The problem is, is not being open is this offense, is, like I said earlier, isn't consistently moving the ball. And with his injury early in the season, he hadn't kept it into form. I think he's going to start running more into form. But I don't know if they're going to feature him or not, because his offense is just all over the place. Jacoby Myers is my wide receiver 35. I'm looking out for him because if Mac Jones does start, Jacoby Myers will probably move up a little bit for me from there. Probably won't crack my top 30, but will be a solid flex play, especially in full point PPR leagues. At the tight end position, I'm not really excited about these guys either. Mike Gusecki comes into my tight end 14. Hunter Henry comes into my tight end 16. I talked about it a little bit earlier with you. If Durham Smythe is not playing, I'm okay with streaming Mike Gusecki because he'll be out there on the field. He'll get more opportunities as a result, if Durham Smythe does play, Gasicki will probably fall outside my top 16 and no longer be a streaming option for me. Hunter Henry, I don't want to buy into it, really, because Janu Smith wasn't 100% himself last week, and he hasn't been a factor at all up until, like, last week all of a sudden. Uh, but he does do enough where I have to consider him as a tight end 16 against the Chicago Bears. Do you have any confidence in streaming a guy like a Hunter Henry? I do not. I think this game's going to be very low scoring. Both teams like to play a slower pace if they can. So uh, this is a game that I'm going to try to avoid. The pass catchers in general, other than maybe a Myers, as you alluded to, it doesn't matter if Matt Jones or Axel Zappi's out there. Actually, actually Axel Zappi targets this guy like a ridiculously. Sorry, slash Zappi. Um, but he does such a great job targeting this guy. So Myers is the only guy that I'm probably having any confidence in that passing attack. As you alluded to, tight ends, who knows from week to week in New England? Yeah, for, for real. Let's see there. Be cautious of. Be cautious of. Uh, you're not playing a Steelers quarterback. I'm not streaming Kenny Pickett this week against the Dolphins. That's for sure. You're not playing Justin Fields. And I will probably, I know I have, I have Mac Jones technically as my QB 18, which is supposed to put him in the conversation. I'm not playing a Patriots running back this week either. To your point, I expect it to be low scoring, an ugly game divided by the running backs. Mooney. Now I'm not playing Mooney with any confidence against the Patriots, but Chris, I do have a question for you. If Justin Fields just throws the ball 27 times a game from here on out, do we have to start talking about Mooney because he had the 12 targets, seven receptions last week? I don't think he has had the 27. You just need to look what the last two weeks he's done. The first five of the seven throws that have Fields' hands have gone to him, and two of those throws have been big down the field. I think they come out bombs. And then they Breaking news. Holy crap. Holy crap. Christian McCaffrey has been traded to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for draft picks. I cannot believe that just happened. That just happened. Christian McCaffrey. I'm hitting it again. 
Breaking news. I'm hitting this. So. And I'm hitting. Oh, man. Oh, but not only do I have Christian McCaffrey in so many leagues that I actually ranked him as an RB1, I'm a 49ers fan, just got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is going to throw everything out of whack. I, I don't know if he would play this week. Um, so we have to kind of like watch how that's all going to shake out. Maybe McCaff- I, it's, it's Thursday. He'd be back there on a Friday. McCaffrey might be inactive this week. That, that's ultimately what it might boil down to. But for the rest of the season, how are you not excited about Chris McCaffrey right now? I'm excited. Not excited because he's on the 49ers. That's how I'm not excited about him. <laughs> what? They're not going to rotate when you got Christian McCaffrey. No, I'm not going to say they're going to rotate. I'm not just kind of shit on it that way. I'm just not excited about the move in general. I was hoping he'd go somewhere else. Maybe it'll be a great move for him. Maybe it'll work out for San Francisco. It's just not the franchise I was kind of had in mind. A little surprised that it happened. I'm shocked it happened. I'd love to see what the picks were because the 49ers, they still don't have a first-round pick next year. So I'd love to see exactly what these picks actually wound up being. Well, I'm sure we'll get more details. I only got 10 minutes left on the show, so it might not happen here. We'll keep you up to date on social media. But uh, the, my quick analysis is likely McCaffrey would be out this week. That would be my first thought. Jeff Wilson, you're still playing him this week as a result of that. But just kind of keep that in mind as we move through the week. Uh, I just totally lost my space now. Okay, yeah, Mooney, we got to talk about him. Patch receivers. I'm not playing any Patriot receivers not named Jacoby Myers. I know it's either Nelson Aguilar, it's Devontae Parker. Somebody hits that big play, but good luck figuring out who it is. And I'm not a fan of Tyquan Thornton. Yeah, like I said, the Myers is the only pass catcher in the England team I'm even thinking about touching this week. And real quick, Dan, do you have have a comment? I mean, we can go on to the rest of the pass catchers. We all know they're not really relevant for this game. Um, did you have any suggestions for MD's nation when it comes to the Carolina backfield? Is this something that you're looking at now that McCaffrey's on the move? Is it something that you try to acquire? Yeah. What, what are you thinking? Uh, uh, my first initial instinct is that I think you're going to see a committee. Uh, Donta Foreman, from what I have read up until this point, like when, McCaff- when we thought McCaffrey's going to miss time, everything I saw was that Foreman is going to get first crack, but Chuba Hubbard's still going to be involved. We'll have to see exactly how that's going to break down, but it'll likely be a committee. The other thing we have to consider, so because of that, Foreman's the guy I would pick up, and he's starting running back in the NFL, so you have to consider him. The problem that I would throw out would be this. (laughs) Carolina, I don't know how offensively they're going to move the ball now, because Chris McCaffrey was the only way they could move the ball previously, too. So I don't know how many scoring opportunities or how good it's going to look. Like, Could you have, like, a Melvin Gordon, Najee Harris situation on your hand where it's just like you're praying they fall into the end zone, otherwise you might not get anything. Yeah, kind of. And if they're splitting on top of that, who knows? But my, I would lean towards Foreman. Where, where are you at with that? Yeah, I think it's probably towards Foreman. I think it's going to be interesting, though, because neither one of these guys are pass catchers. And as you alluded to, the only way they've been able to move the ball is kind of through the air of the backfield. Um, so we saw last year where Abdullah kind of got took the, came out, the, out of nowhere, basically, and got, came back into the league as a pass catcher. I'm curious to see what happens with that situation. What I'm most curious about Carolina's offense, what I'm not excited about necessarily, is does this kind of make T.J. Moore actually have some value because you have nobody else to get the ball to? And I keep hearing about Terrence Marshall. I'm not a Terrence Marshall fan, but, I mean, if you're the only guy out there, maybe you well, do well, get Mr. targeted. <laughs> yeah, or you know, Chris Schultz, good point. Um, <laughs> he he might of, come out of the backfield. Well, that's something I said. I've, I've talked about that a lot in preseason when they made that trade. Not preseason, I'm sorry. When they first made that trade, that he has kind of a way of a 
a backup in a sense for Christian McCaffrey. It has that Gibson touch to him in a sense that you could kind of use him in that role. And probably the best role we could ever have in the NFL because I don't think it's anything else. Um, but on the flip side, if I'm a Jeff Wilson owner or especially if I'm Elijah Mitchell and I have him sitting in my IR, what am I doing now in your book? Uh, well, Elijah Mitchell becomes the long-term handcuff. Like I said, Jeff Wilson, you're keeping him for now because you're going to play him this week. McCaffrey's not going to come in and play this week. So you're keeping Wilson for now, but you can drop him after this week's over. Because with I mean, long-term, like I said, Elijah Mitchell will likely be the handcuff. It wouldn't be Jeff Wilson. He'll become the third string most likely at that point. So that's kind of what happens on that end too. Um, as far as the DJ Moore point that you made, yeah, maybe out of necessity. I was already having some hope because I think Sam Darnold's actually going to take over a quarterback when he's back and ready to go. And that in and of itself was already going to lead most likely if it worked how it did last year, hyper-targeting DJ Moore. So that already kind of gave me some hope for DJ. And I'm not big ceiling, but right now you just want DJ Moore to get volume. And you're not going to get no, this weekend of Philip Walker. <laughs> it's so crazy that the guys were hoping we have hope for like Sam Darnold's a guy we're having hope for DJ Moore. Pickett was a guy we had to hope for the Pittsburgh offense. It's amazing what we're willing to reach for right now. It's only week six in the NFL. Chris, all I have to say is I'm so glad that we went an hour and a half today because this is this is great that we were able to do this live on air. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, just to, to put a bow on the show before we get to the mailbag segment, you're not playing Claypool. You're not playing Pickens. Although Pickens might move up my list if Kenny Pickett's going to play, so he's not going to make. He's not going to crack my top 36 this week, but he'll be a borderline kind of dart throw, if you will, with George Pickens. Do you agree with that? I don't disagree with that. I thought it was interesting. Of anybody who did good in a Pittsburgh passing game, it was Claypool. So good luck guessing what Pittsburgh's going to do. Oh, Danielle got in. Our intern Danielle got yeah. in. CMC to the Niners. And fantasy thoughts. Danielle, I'm going to need you to rewind about 10 minutes because we we went through a whole thing already. And I'm, I, can't do, I can't do it again. I got to wrap up the show. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into that mailbag segment right now. I'm so excited. I can't find any drops all of a sudden. Still can't find the drop. There it is. The mail's here. Okay. So, New York Jets. Or, I'm sorry, NYJ2424, he asked me, he wants a defensive stream. We don't talk about defense a lot, so I figured I had this question on there. He's chosen between four, Miami, Tennessee, the Colts, or the Giants. I do have the Dolphins the highest rated out of that. Because whether it's Kenny Pickett or Jamison Trubisky, you're looking at turnovers. 100% agree. As long as Howard's healthy, Miami's looking blitz. When Miami can blitz, they get turnovers, they get big plays, they stop the offense. I like Miami's defense this week. Uh, Artie 09, Amari Cooper for Najee Harris. Would you make that trade? And uh, he went through a list of who his receivers were and everything like that. I would aim higher. Amari Cooper right now has mid to high level wide receiver two value. I think you can get something back if you're just looking to do a one for one trade. I think you can get something better than that back for Amari Cooper. I'd pull the trigger on that deal. I think it's going to be hard to find something back. People aren't going to willing to give up our running backs. We have a guy that's upside like that. For Amari Cooper, you're not really sure he's going to stay healthy the rest of the season or he can be consistently used week in, week out. I'd make that deal. I'm getting the details for that trade. So the Panthers got a second-round pick next year, a third-round pick next year, a fourth-round pick next year, and they also got a fifth-rounder in 2024. So the 49ers don't have a first, a second, a third, or a fourth-round pick. They are all in for a Super Bowl this year. So we'll just put that out there right now. Okay. Uh, our last question. 
Raheem Moser or Damian Harris this week? It is Raheem Moser. And this is more just to make the point of you don't want to, even if Damian Harris winds up getting his regular role against Chicago Bears, I know that would be interesting. Don't roll the dice on Damian Harris, assuming that role his first week back off a hamstring in Monday Night Football. Yeah, especially after watching Ronnie Stevens has been really productive the last couple of weeks and a guy that the coaches definitely likes. Okay. That does it for the show. It wound up being a crazy one. Why do we have any clairvoyancy that that was going to happen? It wound up being a nuts one. Guys, make sure you come back tomorrow. We'll be on our Cashing Friday. We'll talk about our DFS contest. We'll have Chaz Florida on. Talk about our bets of the week. And hopefully some more exciting football action. But <laughs> Free the receivers. <laughs> Free the receivers. Make sure you guys download us on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to our YouTube so that we get notified when we have new content available to you. And we'll see you tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 